Welcome to another amazing conversation on the Pace and Freedom, a Liberty Caster podcast, and I am your host, James Pace. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe to this podcast, which you can find on many podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, and many more. Take the time to like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter and our Instagram, and find all the links in the description below. Today, I have Henry Connolly. He is running for LNC at-large member and is also the Voice of Liberty host, part of the Liberty Caster Network. Our conversation took into a alternate reality surrounded by tin cans that we just can't help but to start opening. Stay tuned to find out what's in them. But, of course, make sure to check out my friends at Liberty Caster, a network of content dedicated to be free and independent. With five amazing podcasts and growing, you can find news, interviews, talk shows, and more. Shout out to Torch News with Jake and Brandon, The Exchange Podcast with Kevin Warmhold, Radio Free New York with Kevin Wilson, Voice of Liberty with Henry Connolly, The Commander's Table with Ken Armstrong, Liberty Rant with Larry Sharp, and soon to be more shows for your independent and freedom fix. Before we get started with today's conversation, I want to talk about Cash App and how you can get $5 or more for free. Cash App is the easiest way to transfer and receive money between friends and family. You can also make purchases with your free Cash App debit card anywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. With Cash App, you can also purchase and sell stock in the stock market for as little as $1 with no fees. You can also purchase and sell Bitcoin. How to earn your free $5? Download the Cash App from your App Store and sign up using the referral code in the description and $5 automatically goes onto your account. Want to earn more than $5? Refer your friends and family to sign up by inviting them from your cash app. And for every one person that signs up, you earn $5 for free. Now, without further ado, enjoy this conversation. As already mentioned, I have Henry Connolly as my guest today, who needs little introduction because most of you already know him. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the host of Voice of Liberty and co-host of Allies of Liberty. The guy that loves steering up shit and all in a day's work. He is here with me today to open a bunch of can of worms. Henry, go ahead and introduce yourself for those that don't know you. Hello, I'm Henry Conley. I'm running for LNC at large, um, <clears throat> a Libsock activist and uh, a literal pain in the ass of uh, the Libertarian Party <laughs> at this point. Uh, thank you for having me on your uh, your show. Yeah, Absolutely. When you first uh, reached out to me, actually, Kevin Warmhole introduced us, and you mentioned uh, Liberty Socialism, and I was like, I got, I definitely want this person on my podcast. Yes, uh, you know, so <clears throat> I'm excited about this conversation. But before we get started with with Libsock, let's talk about your at large um, campaign. And for those, I have a lot of listeners that are not libertarian necessarily mm -hmm. they may be libertarian leaning uh they're either from the left or the right and they don't know enough about the libertarian party we are very unique uh, as a party of how we uh get candidates in, how we vote for them how we run our party it's very much different in the in the other two parties uh major parties so tell us a little bit what an at-large libertarian does in the party. Well, well, for those that don't know, I mean, the Libertarian Party at the national level, um, there's the party, 
and you know the the people that work for the party itself at a national level and then there's the libertarian national committee uh which is uh where the chair of the libertarian party is and the vice chair the secretary the treasurer and then below them we have regional representatives uh the the whole country is broken down into uh several regions uh that are represented by both a regional rep and an alternative um, and then there's the five LNC at large uh, positions, which are <clears throat> meant to encompass the entirety of the, the country and represent the entirety of the party's membership at the national level. And that's what I'm seeking out. Um, being at large is just like any other position on the committee. You are supposed to be uh, non-biased. You are supposed to... Uh, vote based upon the constituent, which would be the membership. And you are supposed to vote for what's best for the committee for, or sorry, for the membership. Um, when it's in these meetings, it is a long, tedious, thankless position that I would hold for two years, uh, expending 800 to a thousand dollars a few times a year to travel to meetings, uh, which is part of why I'm running because, um, me and Mike Shipley, who's running for chair, were running on the idea of trying to change uh, a lot of how the business is handled at the LNC. Um, so, you know, my run, I, uh, I of course want to point out that I am not some rich affluent dude. <laughs> um, I work a full-time job. I own a lighting business. Um, of course, right now that's bringing me no money. Um, so I'm making this run as a statement as a statement of this board has to be expanded and has to include people um, that don't have the financial security to be able to do this traveling. And mm -hmm. part of my statement is that there is no point that the LNC uh, or no reason that the LNC has to be traveling to various different locations around the country. I mean, we can handle a basic board meeting through zoom. Right. Um, local affiliates and state affiliates have been doing it for the past two months and it's, it's perfectly functional. And yesterday's or the past weekend's train wreck of a LNC convention. I mean, that shouldn't be representative of this. That's a, over a thousand people and this is not, right. <laughs> but, um, I'm trying to make the statement that we need to fundamentally start looking at moving this party to the 21st century. Finally, whereas we've been sitting, uh, in a, this 1971 frame of mind since 1971. Right. <laughs> um, we seem to be a party that encourages growth, encourages changing uh, how you look at things and how you view things and modernizing the government, yet we are entirely afraid of doing that within our own deliberative body. Right. Um, and that needs to change. Yeah, I couldn't help to think of why that would be, right, where they wouldn't want to take the step forward and what those fears may be. And when we look at the Republican National uh, Committee or the, the Democratic Party, they don't hold these meetings this way necessarily either. They travel around, but they have the money and they pay for their people to come out. Yes. We don't. Their reason I feel that they do it that way is because of, well, it's harder to let out 
information, right? If we have everybody come into a, one room and we can talk about whatever we want and nobody else needs to know, supposed to, if they did it through Zoom, there's a possible leak. Uh, somebody could be recording, which I think the Libertarian Party should embrace, the LNC should embrace that yep. they are willing to be more transparent and that if there is a leak, they have nothing to hide. Right. Yep. So yeah, I 100% agree. I think going into, you know, this, this more modern world, we should be doing a lot of things more remotely, more online. And even if you want to hold also a physical meeting that even that should be held online with cameras looking in and hold it that way we can hold the LNC accountable. So I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I'm going to quote Mike Shipley here. He was on one of my podcasts uh, last week and he was talking about when Starchild was a at-large member of the LNC, he created this, this vault that was publicly accessible by anybody. Um, And when LNC emails came in and when he sent them, they automatically transitioned to this vault as a place where the or the, the libertarian party membership could see everything going on and it created a real controversy within the LNC. Um, and then they started moving towards transparency, except that it seems like we've taken a step backwards. Right. Um, so one of the things <clears throat> I'm specifically running on is restoring transparency within the LNC and by holding the meetings online, I openly would ask that we would put that meeting link out there. Do it in webinar format so that way um, LNC membership is uh, able to be there and be panelists, but then the Libertarian Party membership, um, they could at least watch it. They could see what's going on and they could openly see what we're doing. And if they want to interject all they got to do, we, we live in the world of social media. If I vote for something that they find wrong, throw that on Twitter, throw it on Instagram, throw it on right. Snapchat and throw it on Facebook. It will make it back to me within minutes. And I can sit there and go, oh shit, I made a mistake or try to defend why I did what I did. And we need that because right. I, looking at how things were going for this convention that went last this past weekend, which by the way, to the LNC and to the COC, good job. You held a great convention. I, I couldn't be more proud to be wrong in my concerns. But looking at it from the outside, um, I saw the smoke rising behind the black curtain. And I was really getting curious what was going on behind that curtain. Right. Um, I thought there was some angling. I thought there were some backroom deals happening. I was really concerned that I was witnessing us do what the DNC and the RNC do. I can be happier to see that once we open that curtain, it was just a fog machine that someone left on. Um, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it didn't, I, my concerns did not come to fruition, right. but those concerns wouldn't have been there if it was super transparent. Right. If during the nine hour meeting that they had two Saturdays ago, they didn't go into a three hour executive session. I believe they went, that my concerns wouldn't have existed. (laughs) So part of what I'm doing is restoring uh, transparency to the LNC. Um, And 
to me, once we restore transparency, we can continue the fight of bottom unity, um, which is something that my friend Mike Shipley is, you know, fighting for, and I will fight for too. Because um, once we once we have transparency, everybody knows what's going on. There's no chance for the a faction over here and a faction over here fighting each other um, and accusing each other of doing something. Because all you have to do is go, well, hey, let's look at last month's meeting. Right. <laughs> Uh, makes things a lot easier. Absolutely. One of the things that I, I have issues, I mean, I only became like an official libertarian member this past year. I did it okay. uh, because I was told that if I did it uh, before, you know, this, this election cycle, uh, I would get better support from the libertarian party and the LNC uh, or at least the Californian libertarian party in my campaigning for city council in San Diego. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. I didn't get any support whatsoever. It felt like I was disregarded. Right. And the focus yep. was on the national level. Yes. And I have seen that with many other uh, down ballot candidates, not just me. In New York, with Jake Gutowitz, he was he was the person out there knocking on doors and getting signatures and gaining that support. Here in San Diego, it's I was doing the same thing. It's much harder. It's a larger city. The district that yeah. I was running for was enormous and very pro uh, pro Republican and it was really hard for me to even make it to the uh, primary. So the way San Diego does is they'll have a a primary elections and they vote for the top two that will be in the general election running for city councilman for your district. So I, I didn't even make it to the primaries on the ballot because I was the one going every single day, knocking on doors every single night, and when people see this, especially in a you know more affluent neighborhood or or whatnot, they they is like, what is this guy doing? Like, who knocks on doors anymore? You know, to get yep. to to spread their campaign. Uh, I had no support from the Libertarian Party whatsoever, and from the LNC, they don't really care whatsoever about down uh, down ballot candidates. And I've been told that I'm wrong about this. I don't know how you feel about that. So, I mean, I became involved in the Libertarian. I, I first voted Libertarian in 2016. Um, and that was for Gary Johnson. I became involved in 2018 at the local level. Uh, 2019, I ran for local office. So this is where I can actually relate to you on this. Um, when I ran for local office, I knocked on doors. I ran for a township commissioner position. I knocked on doors. I had people look at me and go, one, you're a politician knocking on doors. Right. <laughs> that never happens. <clears throat> but second, what I had was this horrid misconception of what libertarians will do if they are in office. So I, I critique the LNC and I critique uh, multiple levels of L- libertarian leadership when I talk about this. The first problem is, one, the LNC does not do a good job at ensuring that the material is there and that the support and knowledge network is there for candidates, 
one for uh, campaign finance filing, two for running a grassroots campaign, how to set up camp uh, committees, uh, FAC filing. I am currently putting together a campaign uh, for twenty uh, for a friend of mine for twenty twenty two, and we're going through loops trying to figure out the FEC filing for that. And uh, beyond all of that, the worst thing that the Libertarian Party does is they do not provide the candidates that aren't running at the national level, but are running at state and local levels, a idea of how to implement a libertarian policy into local politics. Because let's be frank, at a local level, running around going taxation is theft is not going to get you votes. Right. Sitting there saying, let's remove the government from everything is not going to get you votes. There are luxuries at the local level that people have grown to enjoy. And we have to be pragmatic about how we do this. And the way we do that is to create logical, realistic policy. Well, people running for the first, second, third, even fourth time at a local level have no idea how to put that together. The LNC needs to do a better job at saying, okay, you're running for township commissioner. Well, do not tell people that you're going to take away their trash service. (laughs) Tell them that this is why it would be great to transition from a township-owned trash service to a privately-owned trash service. Don't tell them that you're going to just abandon their roads. Tell them why moving from township-maintained roads to maybe a... uh, publicly uh, voluntarily maintained road might be a good idea. That's where we fail as a commit uh, a party as a whole. Right. And that's where we need to fix that. I, I 100% agree with you. And the LNC is, mm-hmm. you know, we, we think of libertarians. We're all individuals. We'd like to think of ourselves as free individuals. We, we don't need anybody to tell us what to do. And I'm not saying we need a a governing body to tell us what to do, but there has to be some sort of order to, to, to what we're doing. Right. We have Mm -hmm. to, if we're going to jump in and say, we're going to play this game of politics, we're going to play this game of trying to run for these offices so we can advance our philosophy and our, our ideals we have to know how to play the game and we need somebody to help us with it. Yep. Uh, you know, you brought up a good point, like all these FCC documents that you have to do uh, these uh, compliance to financial uh, reporting that you have to do. I was spinning my head every night trying to figure out how to fill these forms out, how to do this. And whenever and I would reach mind, out, bear in mind that if you screw up one of those forms, you're done. You could end up in jail with massive fines. I mean, most of us are running campaigns that could put us in jail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be some accountability at the state and federal or the state and national level to help fill these forms out. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, you know, if they're claiming that we want to be this more a better option for for than the democrats or the republicans they need to play the part and they're not so and i like how you brought up 
when we go talk to people that we want voting for us and being pragmatic, you know, I feel that when I talk to people within the libertarian movement, there are a lot more people that think the way you and I do, but they get over, um, not overruled, but like outspoken by these people that are a lot more radical, a lot more, um, uh, you know, just let's just get rid of the federal government altogether, you know? And let's be honest, I'm a radical. I'm an anarchist. Right. I mean, I would be lying if I said I was not. But I am also someone who's trying to run for local office, who's trying to win a position to bring about things that will fundamentally change the world I live in. Right. I've had, you know, I had complaints uh, looking at the presidential race with people sitting there speaking about just yanking the rug out from under people. Right. I, I stared at it. And I'm like, really, do you think the American people are going to support that? And then that trickles down the state level and federal or uh, local level where people are like, yeah, I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to step in office. I'm going to get rid of the government that you've been under the, the moment I step in. And I'm like, okay, please do tell me how that's going to get you a vote because it's right. not, I mean, there, there has to be a point where we as libertarians decide, do we want to win elections, get into these positions and fundamentally change the world we live in? Or do we just want to be the people that use this as a position to get some attention, to get some news, uh, uh, news time slots and make some noise and then lose elections. Right. I'm personally uh, someone that wants the first option because that's the best way for me to get towards this radical society I see myself living in. Right. But we have to play the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got a hundred years of, (laughs) at the the minimum, a hundred years worth of Republican and Democratic control that we have to interject ourselves into and radically break down. Right. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a four-year or an eight-year presidential term. It's not going to happen in a two-year county commissioner term. And I don't feel Breaking that's going to happen. will take a hundred yeah. years. <laughs> exactly. And I don't think it's going to happen at a national level right away. It's not going to happen at a federal level. You know, I, I was just having this conversation this morning with somebody and they were talking about, I kept telling them about these candidates that are available at the down ballot level, right? Because they were talking about how there, you know, there's no point of voting libertarian. And I think in, in her mind, right, she was thinking solely on the president, right? Mm-hmm. At the president level. Yep. And I'm talking more at a general level, right? We need to, if we want to grow the libertarian party, we have to vote, we have to vote libertarian candidates in. And I'm not talking about the presidential level. I'm talking about those down ballot people that are running for uh, city councilmen, uh, town commissioners, even sheriff. If we can get these people in and start changing the cultural thinking of things, allowing these, these uh, county supervisors to come in and say, hey, look, talking to the panel, talking to the other commissioners and saying, Hey, there's a better way of doing this. We can save money by taking away this. We'll use this system and let's just see what happens. 
And once people see that it actually works and it's not a failure, then they'll start thinking, huh, I wonder what will happen if I vote at a go- at a state level now. Yep. Yep. I, I, um, <clears throat> I, I got something I have to add to that too is libertarians need to stop sitting there and playing a very, very dangerous game, which is this. A libertarian gets elected to office and they start doing things that other libertarians view as not libertarian. And then that person gets raked over the coals and literally sacrificed by fire by being called not libertarian. We got to stop doing that. When you're in these positions, you have to make decisions that sometimes are not libertarian. Right. And that is because you are trying to move towards a libertarian decision. Like my position, for example, when I ran in 2019, I would have been one of five county commissioners. There's not much that myself singularly could do. I would have had to take a lot of non-libertarian positions in right. order to start winning over the other four county commissioners. That's just how it rolls. Right. I saw things I did support. Our pool, our, our community pool bought a $400,000 heating system. We're not even open to the point where it's cold. Um, you know, I, I saw us buying new Township Works vehicles that were replacing vehicles that were two and three years old. I wasn't going to be able to stop that if I got the position, but I could at least start working towards it. Right. We got to be careful as libertarians. We drive really good activists out of this party really quickly we do. By, by just and, saying you're not libertarian. And I, I mean, I'm not going to deny that I haven't been guilty of that at times. Oh, I'm not going to deny I haven't been either. I mean, I did that to Justin Amash when he entered the presidential <laughs> race, but that's just because I didn't think he, you know, right. one week after the party should have been running for president. Right. But um, we do need to put ourselves on check at times, right? I, I did it recently with this. And once I was able to, I think the difference probably between me and maybe other libertarians is after I talk to somebody, I can start seeing, you know, their either their true colors or where they're coming from. But I did this with the whole armed uh, rallies, right? People mm-hmm. who showing up to armed rallies, and for me, and going into Senate houses with with firearms, I felt that that was intimidation. It goes against the non-aggression principle, right? But after talking to people and seeing that, okay, I was falling in a trap where I was following what mainstream media was was portraying, and that a lot of libertarians weren't doing this. And if they did, it didn't look like what it was look like. It looked like in the mainstream media where they're like forcing themselves into the Senate house with firearms and, you know, yelling at people or whatever they were going in peaceful rally. They were just carrying guns, which is their right. I mean, with that, I will say that I've caught, I've caught a ton of flack for, arguing against the exact same thing. And it's because one, all these rallies that are ha- and you listen, <laughs> don't misconstrue it. I hate the fact that the government went tyrannical with COVID-19. Oh, yeah. I think we could have easily stopped it. That's another story, another time, but these rallies that are happening, when you look at them, there's Trump signs. There are exactly. signs that are against the LGBTQ community. The GSM community is really what I should say. Um, there, there are these horrid, signs there and then libertarians are showing up to it i'm going guys think about the optics for 10 seconds here 
libertarian pictured next to a Trump supporter, libertarian pictured next to someone that is literally the wannabe Westboro Baptist church. Right. That's horrid optics. It is. And then I said to someone else with the guns and bring, you know, listen, I love guns. I support guns. They are awesome. There should literally be vending machines on the street <laughs> corners with guns. But with rights come responsibilities. I've said that from the start. Yes. You have the right to free speech, the responsibility to ensure that your speech does not incite violence. You have the right to keep and bear arms. Don't do it stupidly. Right, right. <laughs> um, and showing up to uh, these the state houses with pistols, okay, there's really not much more armament than pistols there. Right. Showing up blatantly holding 50 caliber freaking sniper rifles and shit like that. Yeah. It's like, you're just being stupid. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. You are never going to get a shot off using that thing before five security guards have taken you down with their nine millimeter. Right. We do have to be responsible about what exactly. we do. And I think that, that's, that's one thing that's after... A, that's a pitfall of this party is we don't think about responsibilities. We... And, and when someone says think about responsibilities, they then go, well, statist. No, <laughs> I don't want the state to enforce responsibility. I want you to be responsible. Right. And I think that's where after talking to people, that's the point that I try to drive as well is responsibility. And I think one common core that all libertarian, I'm talking about small L libertarians and large and big L libertarians to combine the one common core principle that I think we should all hold and that we need to remember at all times that what makes us libertarians is the non-aggression principle and keeping that in mind, everything else comes natural responsibility comes natural because now you're forced to think about, okay, what I'm going to say is going to hurt someone else. You Not just said something, feelings, but go ahead. You just said something there that I really like because the non-aggression principle, when thought about correctly and when taking at a logical and responsible approach is a great thing, right. but far too many libertarians use that as a crutch to allow racism, to hit, allow right. homophobia. There is a lot of things that they go, well, non-aggression principle. Right. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you right now. If you're a Nazi and you're talking within my vicinity, I'm knocking your damn lights out. <laughs> it's just, that's, that's what it is. Your right. speech inherently violates the nap. Right. If, if you are spreading homophobic comments around me, I am going to silence you. I am right. not going to hurt you, but I will make sure that you are not saying those. And right. it's because your speech inherently violates the nap. And libertarians far too often attack each other over this um, because they go, well, you can't attack that person for saying that. Well, yes, I can, because them saying homophobic things makes that gay dude over there think about killing himself. And that's right. a violation of the nap. That's a violation of his freedom and his rights. That guy over there spreading Nazi stuff, the fact that he is not the next crying Nazi is very wrong, because right. that makes that Jewish guy over there or that Jewish girl over there fear for their lives. Right. We have to stop using the nap as this end all be all crutch to allow anything to exist. Right. Exactly. Why this party has caught such a bad name uh, in the last 50 years is because we go, well, yeah, he's, yeah, he's racist, but mm, nap. Uh. Right. No, no. <laughs> 
if you're a Nazi, you're a homophobe or transphobic or something like along those lines, get the hell out of this party. You are not welcome here. There is a Nazi party of the United States. Head over there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and here's the thing. There's a clear kind of guidance, right, of what the nap should be. And, you know, I get it. We, we, we can't just rely we, – we, where am I going with this? <laughs> because I can get myself in trouble, right? With, with how I, I say things. And I purposely open cans of worms. It's right. Exactly, it's what I do. You know? uh, and I know this will open a can of worms because again, we think of ourselves as these people that just, we, we can do what we please, right? Without having a, a government or a governor tell us what to do. That's all great. I go back to the nap and where you can find a good guidance for the nap is Rothbard. He nailed it when he explained the nap, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have questions, what, what it means that it, that's the place to go look for it. Now, again, that's open can of worms because you're saying, Oh, well you're like following this person Right. And just doing what he says. It does open a can of worms and it actually opens a can of worms that I have attacked frequently. And that <laughs> is that this party, we rely on these old philosophers True. way too much. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. If you say to someone, Aina Rand, they are not going to know who the hell you are talking exactly. about. If you sit there in campaign or, or, or promote activism based upon Aina Rand or, or, Moray Rothbard or some of the, the libertarian socialist philosophers, any of that, <laughs> you are not going to have people really looking at you and, and being True. interested. True. Um, and, and another can of worms you opened there was like this, this society that we strive for where the government doesn't control us. Well, that falls all the way back to the nap. Are you going to allow racists to exist within this, this totally free society are you going to allow that to occur just because of the nap? Or are you right. going to make sure that that doesn't exist so that way you have truly free society? Right. Well, and it goes back to that responsibility, right? And I think, again, opening another can of worms. I talked to <laughs> Raylene uh, Lightheart. She's a co-host of uh, Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. Her and I, talk, we, we're really good friends because we, we see things a certain way, right? Her and I are these what I like to call, I don't know if she calls it this. I don't, I don't, I've never heard of her, heard her call this, but I consider myself an independent Christian. And if I were more specific, I'm an independent Mormon Christian, which okay. just opens another can of worms. But <laughs> I think of that principle of, of the non-aggression principle, holding responsibility and taking care of my neighbor in a way that, I'm allowed to do whatever I please with my money that I've earned. I'm allowed to do anything I want at my property, let whoever I want in, kick whoever I want out, and yet protect that same freedom for my neighbor as well, right? Mm -hmm. And if I see an injustice where somebody is going into my neighbor's property and harassing them or hurting them, I have a moral responsibility to protect my own freedoms 
to go and defend them. I mean, you did open a can of worms and it's, it's a can of worms because like we can talk for a second here about ideal societies, right? My ideal society. Now I'm a Wiccan and I'm a libertarian socialist. My ideal society (laughs) would be this localized town that lives under uh, libertarian socialist thought while respecting the works of the God and goddess. That's my ideal society. That's, that's where I want to be. Um, and within that, I allow no room for hate. I, there's no room for that. There's no room to enact violence against someone who is being, uh, you know, um, who's existing within their realm, except right. when they're spreading hate. If you violate my property or violate my neighbor's property, yes, I have the right to defend that because you were disturbing their state. Right. That. That's where I want to be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Simple as can be. I think we found the title to this episode, opening <laughs> a can of worms with Henry. <laughs> um, so with that, you opened a can of worms right there. And you opened it way <laughs> long ago. But let's talk about uh, libertarian socialists. Okay. Uh, I've heard of libertarian socialists in the past. I've always been curious, but I never asked, what the hell is a libertarian socialist? Well, so it depends upon, there, there are multiple answers to this, and it really depends upon who you talk to. And, and a pitfall of the libertarian socialist thought is we do fall back on uh, old philosophers or even current philosophers who are kind of questionable. For me, libertarian socialism, it's the accumulation uh, of a couple things. First off, the word libertarian and socialist comes from the anarchist communities of uh, France. And so uh, it can be traced back to a guy named Joseph de Jacques. Um, And so libertarianism really came from this anarcho, uh, our anarchist community of voluntary socialists who rejected the state who hated the state and then it came to the united states and it got attributed to anarcho-capitalism and all that fun stuff we are trying to show people something first off we do not and we reject state uh, state socialism because at the basic level state socialism is nothing more than state-owned capitalism it is abhorrent it is totalitarian it is disgusting but we also, we, we get in trouble sometimes because people don't realize, they don't either communicate it right and then people hear it wrong or people just don't listen. The moment you say socialism, we embrace voluntary socialism. So if you're an anarcho-capitalist, that's fine. You're, you're welcome to be in your anarcho-capitalist community and I won't touch you. Right. But voluntary socialism, libertarian socialism, whatever you want to call it, is anarchist. We believe in a horizontal workplace. Uh, you are worth what you produce. The, you gain what you produce. Land should not be a commodity that is bought and sold and traded. Um, going to get in trouble here. Rent is bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to make it honest right there. Rent right. drives up property values. Rent makes, uh, or, or landlords drive up property values. Apartment complexes make attaining land ownership far harder because they drive up the cost of property which shouldn't be bought and sold anyway rent is bs right 
Beyond that, food. That shouldn't be a commodity that's bought and sold either. When you localize your community, that farmer can trade the food that he produces or she produces for the goods that you produce. It's, it's a basic thing where we take this fiat currency out of the equation right. where no longer do, you know, and I, I unfortunately have to reference like COVID-19 right now. Right. Because you're out of work, you don't have to worry whether you can eat or not because right. this localized voluntary socialist community is going to watch out for you and they are going to help you and they're going to ensure that you don't die of starvation. They're also going to ensure that you don't lose the roof over your head because guess what? You own it. It's yours. You right. didn't have to buy it. You don't have to pay a mortgage on it. You don't have to rent it. Beyond that, let's talk. Yeah, I, I can knock off all the, the current left issues right now. Healthcare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's look at how healthcare started in the United States. And guess what? It can, you know, there's people that argue that, well, 1800s versus now, it can modernize. It, it does actually make sense. Healthcare was pretty much bartered and traded. Yeah. You didn't have to worry about paying $10,000 for an x-ray. You right. offered your worth in exchange for that x-ray or whatever. We can do that now. We could, we could solve the healthcare crisis in the United States really easily if we start looking at it this way. Right. Beyond that, you know, we, we look at these, these large conglomerate corporations that control everything. And this is going to sound attacking, and I don't mean it this way, but there are thoughts or schools of thought within the libertarian community that would be perfectly okay with them growing larger and monopolizing. Um, let's take a perfect example. Right now in my hometown, I have two options for cable, Xfinity or Verizon. Right. I have no choice outside of that. They can jack the prices up as much as they want. And guess what? I'm stuck. And in some schools of thought, we would be perfectly okay with that just continuing and them growing and monopolizing without any question. Libertarian socialists, though, we don't like that. Right. <laughs> we, we, we want those big, giant, power-hungry corporations to be broken down to smaller worker-owned co-ops that really do provide a service for the people in exchange for a service. I mean, there's so many things we could hit on. The big reason that I think, though, libertarian socialism needs to be embraced and welcomed within this party is this. Since 1971, this party has been looked at as Republican light. They have been looked at as anarcho-capitalists. They have been looked at as XYZ. We have been a welcomed home towards disenfranchised Republicans for years. Right. We have ran disenfranchised Republicans for years. We tried doing it this year. Libertarian socialism, which also you could just, you could generalize the whole thing to left libertarianism, whether you're an anarcho-communist, uh, anarcho-syndicist, um, libertarian socialist, whatever. We are a welcome site and a breath of fresh air for a huge market. Yes. Bernie, uh, Bernie bros and Bernie gals, gang gang. Right. Hell, even Tulsi's people. Yeah. They want a lot of the same things we want. They just don't realize that they might be taking, uh, they might be attacking it the wrong way. They see 
Bernie and Yang and Tulsi as this awesome figure that's finally speaking to the things they want and the things they want to see in their life, but they don't realize that they could voluntarily do it without the state putting another boot on their neck. Right. So if we aren't silenced, if we aren't stomped out, we suddenly can make noise that these people look and go, wait, the Libertarian Party's not a bunch of uh, light Republicans? Wait a second. They're talking about the things I want. They want to make my health care more affordable. They want to make my means of living a lot easier. Holy shit. Let me go look at them. And then, guess what? We grow the party. We have to admit as a party, there's a blue wave happening in this country. And it will f- happen for the foreseeable future. Right. I will tell you, probably the next 20 to 25 years is going to be a blue wave. We either adapt and accept that, or the party dies. That's bluntly what's going to occur. And that's why I'm so proud to make the noise. It's aggravated people. It's pissed people off. Oh, well, I'm sorry. (laughs) I feel that's what we do. We just do that as libertarians. I I had a a wonderful episode with Theodore from uh, crowdfunded government. And we were talking in the conversation in our episode and I ran into, you know, I pissed off some libertarians and he's like, whenever I hear that, that you pissed off some libertarians being a libertarian, it just makes my day, mm-hmm. you know, him not being necessarily a libertarian. Uh, but it's true. We, we, we piss each other off. And I think you're not libertarian unless you piss off another libertarian, I guess. So definitely not. Um, and, and beyond that, I mean, listen, if I piss people off because I'm out here trying to get people into this party and I'm trying to grow this party. Oh, well, I, I, I don't feel bad. I, right. I care about this party. I want to grow this party. And if it, um, if it aggravates people that I'm looking towards people that they think are statist, well, then that just shows how ignorant they are and how closed their eyes are. Well, I think if you look at a Bernie supporter or a Yang Gang supporter or a Tulsi supporter, when you actually look at them and talk to them, they're a lot more anarchist than you realize. Exactly. They would prefer to go the route of not having the state uh, lower their health care costs and make their means of living easier. But they just don't know that there's an option to do it. Right. And now it, here we are making the noise and giving them that option. And that's got people energized. Exactly. You know, and that's, I think we need to focus as a party on that, right? We need to look at, okay, what is it that draws people to Bernie Sanders? What is it that is drawing people to Tulsi Gabbard? I found, and, you know, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not on this. I found that it's Mm anti-establishment, right? It's one of the many things, yes. Right. But that's one thing that I, and I experimented with this, right? I've talked to uh, a friend of mine that was a, uh, not Kamala Harris. What was the other lady? Um, Oh, um, the one pegged to be uh, Biden's running mate. Um, Or are you talking Elizabeth Warren? Yeah. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. Warren. Okay. Then not, yeah. not Amy a, Klobuchar. A, right. Which she's completely establishment, but she mm-hmm. was trying to draw people on the anti-establishment message. And when I was talking to my friend about this, right, we were exchanging comments on a post that I posted and some other right wing, um, person was trying to pick a fight with me and 
what ended up happening was me and my friend ended up ganging up on the one Republican person because the one thing that hit him and I had in common was that anti-establishment and trying to tell this guy, look, the, the thing, the person that you're supporting is establishment. It's this establishment that mm-hmm. has been controlling our lives for ever and making you think that you're free and you're not. But little did my friend know is that Elizabeth Warren was establishment, right? And we discussed a little bit about that. Um, but we realized that we're both anti-establishment. And I think you're right. If the Libertarian Party can focus on those messages that Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. Um, AOC. Yeah. I was actually going to touch on that in a second here because it's it's something that um, the Libertarian Party doesn't realize is – um, so yes, they're anti-establishment. That's, right. that's the first thing, right? But the reason that Bernie, or I'm going to ignore Bernie Sanders for a minute here because he is a very top, uh, complicated can of worms that I could open separately and spend about an hour and a half on. Right. <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard, Andrew Yang, AOC. Okay. They are like the shining stars of the democratic party right now. The reason they're in the democratic party, even though theoretically, if localized, their ideas could exist within the Libertarian Party is because they don't realize that we actually have this anti-establishment wing. And when I say this, people freak out because I'm talking about bringing in, you know, Andrew Yang or AOC or any of these people. We need them. Right. We need them. You know, we, we don't just need to talk about bringing left uh, anarchists into the party. We got to talk about bringing their idols into the party. Right. And it just in the same way that people pushed for Justin Amash to come into this party and to start active, being active in the party and being an activist for the party. Guess what? Justin Amash doesn't have uh, a lot of libertarian views. There right. are things that he is controversial as hell on. We welcomed him though. And right. I put up a post on Facebook uh, once all this started going down with Justin Masha said, just out of curiosity, if AOC left the Democrats and became a libertarian tomorrow, would she get the same welcoming parade as Justin Amash? And people danced around that question. They right. didn't want to touch it. All my libertarian socialist friends, they saw where I was going. They understood right. what I was getting at. But no one wanted to really touch that question. That's a problem. Right. AOC is misguided in how she wants to accomplish things that actually are left anarchist. All she needed, all she would need to see. And, and maybe as she was growing within political politics, getting ready to run for office, if she had saw that the libertarian party had this left anarchist community, man, maybe she might've ran as a left libertarian because she was an open DSA member. Right. The DSA has a libertarian socialist uh, fragment to it. And she was in there. If she had seen that the libertarian party had a libertarian socialist side and realized that, okay, so her, she doesn't like guns. If, if we localize, she can have her community that doesn't have guns and that's fine. Right. You know, she wants uh, affordable health care. Well, if we localize and move towards this left anarchist or just an anarchist community in, as a whole, man, we can have affordable health care. They all move over to us. Same right. with Andrew Yang. Same thing with Tulsi Gabbard. Now, Bernie Sanders, I skipped for a multitude of reasons because Bernie, he has good ideas. 
He has things that he excels at, but the problem is he occasionally is a hypocrite and yes. he gets called on it. Yes. Big time. I don't think that he would fit within the party, but his supporters would. Right. And the only reason they flock to him over Andrew Yang or any of that is because he is literally the loudest voice for what they want out there. Right. And it, that's where we need to capitalize. I yes. mean, there are, you know, millions of his supporters. There are millions of Andrew Yangs. There are millions of Tulsi Gabbards and thousands upon thousands, even probably millions of AOC supporters. Right. Do we realize how big this party could grow in a very short amount of time? Yes. I mean, it would take almost but, nothing. And that's the problem with a lot of libertarians, right? We're, and I, I brought this up and I'm getting tired of bringing it up, but I have to bring it up. And I brought it up in every episode so far in the past few episodes is libertarians and their damn purity test. It's just, it's what's going to kill this movement. And we need to stop. We need to be more inclusive. We want this perfect utopia world that, it's not going to happen overnight and it right. cannot happen overnight and it cannot happen without having some support. We need a, an army in order to break away from this tyrannical duopoly that exists today. You have to recruit them and you have to convince them that, Hey, this is a place for you. Yep. We support your ideas. We support other people's ideas. We want to protect your right to freedom, to love whoever you want to love, to defend your, your property, to trade however you want to trade. And unless we focus on that, we're, we're stuck. We're stuck in this loop that we can't get ourselves out of. And we keep throwing people out, you know, um, I'm glad you brought up the purity test because we're, I'll preface this right now. If friends of mine or people that follow me on Facebook watch this video, they'll think that I'm a complete hypocrite for if I don't say this. Yes, I ran the purity test on Justin Amash. I ran the purity test on him because he joined the party and then a week later declared for the pre, uh, for presidency and only listed himself as a libertarian for the first time or reference the Libertarian Party in the post he was declaring. Right. Now, I would have supported the hell out of him running for Congress as a Libertarian. And that's there There needs to be a distinction. And I wanted to get that out of the way before someone sees this and like, calls me a freaking hypocrite. Right. Um, we do need to get rid of the purity test that we do because it's ridiculous. It drives people away. <clears throat> um, and within that, we need to talk about something. You know, Anarcho-capitalists, libertarian socialists—let's just blanket it out to the right, lower white, uh, lower right quadrant, lower left quadrant. We bicker back and forth. We yell at each other that we can't do. You know, you're not a libertarian because you like capitalism. You're not a libertarian because you're a socialist. We need to stop. We need to recognize that, and that's why bottom unity means a ton to me. Okay, we need to recognize that in the end we really want some of the same things. 
Right. Smash the duopoly. We want to localize. We want a voluntary society. We want to get rid of the fiat currency. We want to ensure that we have more money to live. Taxation. Get rid of it. I mean, we have these these literal things that we agree line for line on. Right. Okay, yeah, you're a capitalist and I'm a socialist. We can put that to the side because once we localize, you can go over there and have your capitalist society. I can sit over here in socialist utopia. And you know what? Our communities can trade back and forth between each other. When you need really good health care, guess what? Come on over. We got right. it. You know, that's we, we need to stop acting like we're going to flip a switch and be in utopia because that's not the case. Right. We will not break down what the duopoly has done for an easy 100 to 150 years. Right. Yes. Um, to quote uh, the nominating speech for Herman Supreme, yes, we want freedom in our lifetime, but the more we bicker back and forth, um, the more that we ensure that a life is lost without freedom. Right. And yes, we want it in our lifetime. Is it really likely? No. I mean, it's the same thing when libertarians run around going, we got to win the presidency. We got to win the presidency. Oh yeah. We're going to go from three and a half percent to well over 40% in one election cycle. Right. Okay. Good joke. We need to take steps. Our utopia will not happen overnight and we need to unite. Right. Bottom unity straight across that lower bottom quadrant. The right side Start bringing in the disenfranchised Republicans that can't stand that the Republican Party has become the Trump-akin party. Us on the left, we will bring in the Bernie bros. We will bring in the Bernie gals, the Yang gang, the Tulsi supporters, all of them. We'll bring them in, and we can start building this party. Right. Because then that leaves the duopoly with nothing but old people. And guess what? They're going to die. And then when (laughs) they die and they don't have new young people to replace them, their party dies. Yeah. And then suddenly, guess who's the biggest party in the United States? The Libertarian Party. Right. Then we really do have control to make something happen overnight. Because all we have to do is go, eh, I don't want to be the president. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want this. And we can dissolve it. Right. It's going to take 50 years. It's going to take 100 years. It's going to take 150 years. But we can do it. Right. We just got to start now. Exactly. And then when the Republicans and the Democrats die off, woohoo, we live in utopia. And then Vermin can create his time machine, bring me back to life so I can actually enjoy it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I was talking about something similar and we'll, we'll end on this kind of the last few minutes. I was talking about, um, about this with, with one of my family members, right? She, she mentioned, you know, why should I vote libertarian? You know, it, they're going to lose anyways. I rather vote for Joe Biden because at least he has a chance to uh, beating Trump. Well, uh, yeah, he has probably the same amount of chance as a libertarian would at this point. Trump is going to win regardless. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is just the, this is the sad truth. Um, We all know this is coming. So why waste your vote on somebody that you don't like? Right. Yep. If you're going to tell me, well, I had a vote for the lesser two evils. I got to vote for this person because I just don't like that person more, but I don't like the person I'm voting for. What's the point of voting for that person? Then if you know that they're going to lose anyways, you might as well vote for something that you believe in 
or vote for someone that will has as a principle to protect the rights that you believe in. And at least we'll see numbers grow, right? And they'll grow little by little. This election, we see that last election, three, we got 3% of the vote. This election, we got 5 6% of the vote. Oh, wow. I wonder why that party grew 3%. Hmm, let me look into it more. Maybe I'm going to vote next election for them. Now mm-hmm. we grow 10%. Now we grow 20%. And the next thing you know, it in 50 years, hey, as you said, we'll be the, the, uh, the largest party out there. But the LNC has a responsibility to try to get those people in. We need And to- before we end on that, this also needs to be said. If all the people um, last election cycle who voted Trump because he was the lesser of two evils or voted Hillary because she was the lesser of two evils, if they had voted for Gary, we would probably be looking at a very, very different society right now, yeah. a different country and a different world. Yeah. Because I remember 2016 and I remember people that were voting for both sides. And I will tell you that, I mean, of the, the sample that I had, it was like 75% of the people voting for Hillary or Trump were doing it because they were the lesser of the two evils. Right. You threw your vote away on trash when you could have thrown your vote to, you know, and, and Gary's not a perfect libertarian, but you could have thrown it to him and we could right. have been living in an unbelievably different time right now. Absolutely. And that's that, that fits right into what you were yeah. saying. Exactly. So how can people find you? Where can they listen to you? You have your own podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell people how they can find you. So there's two, uh, there's two podcasts I'm on. You can find me at voice of Liberty. That is my podcast. Um, that podcast does candidate interviews and soon is actually going to be talking left or uh, I'm going to start a new segment where we talk left anarchist views. Um, hopefully to continue my process of bringing in the left. Uh, you can also find me on the axes or sorry, the allies of Liberty podcast with Clayton hunt from the axes and allies, um, podcast. That's uh, the one where Clayton, who's a pragmatic libertarian, and myself, we just dissect current events and kind of discuss how libertarians might have changed that. Uh, You can find me on Facebook at Henry Conley for LNC at large. Um, And you can find me at Twitter. Um, It's Henry C. Libertar 1 or something like that. (laughs) Just search Henry Conley, uh, C-O-N-O-L-Y. And uh, yeah. That's, that's how you can find me. Awesome. And I'll make sure to put all of that in the uh, description below. So awesome. thank you so much for being on uh, the the podcast. I've learned so much about Lipstocks. I'm actually excited. I want to talk to you more about it offline because I, all these thoughts are coming to my head. And I'm sure a lot of <laughs> listeners are going to have a lot of questions. So feel free to send them to me. I will answer them as I can. If not... Um, the beauty of it is we have a lot of great lib socks in this party um, and we all have unique capabilities <laughs> awesome alright well thank you so much again thank you